So, um, how do y'all how do y'all like when the rules change? Sometimes there are good rule changes. I'm old enough. I don't care to admit. I'm old enough to remember like when it was against the rules to dunk in basketball. I can remember when it was there was no three point line. And then they changed those rules. So can you imagine like the NBA All-Star Weekend with no dunking and no three-pointers? Now we're going to have the layup contest. <laughs> and we're going to have free throw contest. That'd be exciting, wouldn't it? And, and so uh, changing the rules like requiring football players to wear helmets, that was a good rule. That's a good rule change, right? And so uh, this year, if you follow baseball, they started the pitch clock. We'll see how that goes. Uh, do y'all remember, any, anybody old enough to remember 55 speed limit? That was bad. <laughs> Me and Sammy Hagar, man, I can't drive 55. You know, that was a bad rule change. Well, in this morning's passages we're going to read, Jesus introduces a new rule. He calls it a commandment. And, and so we're going to see how that, that affects us and affects the way we treat each other and all that. So let's, let's look at John chapter 15. If you remember, we started in John chapter 13 in this series with Jesus washing the disciples' feet and saying this is an example of how you should treat each other. You should serve one another. Last week we were in John chapter 14. And some of those, there was so, there's so much in John chapter 14. I was telling somebody last week that in these last few verses of John, it's like this could be a year. Of sermons. So I'm just having to pick out stuff from each chapter that I think the Lord's wanting us to, to point out. But last week, you know, Jesus said, if you uh, follow me, then you and the Holy Spirit's in you, you can do the same things I've, I do and even greater things. And that we should be believing for those things. Amen. And that the Holy Spirit is made available to us today to be able to do powerful, miraculous things. And so we get to John chapter 15. And this is, again, Jesus' sort of last big sermon to his disciples before he's crucified. All these chapters. And so he's spending a lot of time pouring into them things that are really important that he wants them to know that he, you know, like if you ever like getting ready to go on vacation and so you're trying to take care of those things and so you want to make sure that this gets taken care of this and it's always this, oh, one more thing. And so Jesus is just piling it on here. And so there's so much good stuff in here. There's so much life for us in these chapters. So I'm going to start reading in John chapter 15, verse 9. And I'm going to read through 17. Jesus says this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends as I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appoint you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment, love each other. This is my commandment, love each other. Or another version say, love one another. And so Jesus 
is telling us here, this is a commandment, love one another. This is, what I'm, this is the new rule. This is what I'm changing. This is what I'm telling you to do. And so we, we pick up this right after the first few verses of John chapter 15, which is one of the, my, my favorite parts of Scripture, and I was really tempted to speak on it, but I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about this as the vine and the branches. And, and so we know in, in that part, we, Jesus says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll be able to bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we know Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4 that we can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens us. So we know that when we are abiding in him and he is in us, that we have the ability to do all things, right? We can do all things. And so in this passage we just read, he tells us if we keep his commandments that will abide in his love. And so this is sort of a repeating theme through these scriptures, starting in, in John chapter 13. He keeps saying, "If you, those who love me will obey my commandments. If you obey my commandments, you love me. And we talked about last week that we cannot love Jesus apart from loving his word. Yeah. Right? And so one thing I want you to notice, he says in here, just like I have obeyed my Father's commandments. So he's not asking me and you to do anything he didn't do himself. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was likewise tempted. Every temptation that we ever face, Jesus had to face. And remember this, I mean, we can take this attitude, well, he was Jesus. I mean, he, he just, it was easy for him, but he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And in the flesh, he had to endure every temptation that we endure today. Every single one, the Bible says. And that's why he can be our, our good high priest, because he understands the things that we go through, right? And so he says, I want you to obey my commandments just like I've obeyed my Father's commandments. I'm not asking you to do something that, that I didn't do myself. And so as we're going through these verses, I just want you to notice how many times Jesus just reminds us to be obedient to his will, to be obedient to his word, to be obedient to what he teaches us to do. And then he notice he says in verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Notice this, Jesus wants us to be full of joy. Jesus does not want his church walking around sour and mad at the world all the time and acting like you're living a country song. <laughs> I live on a dirt road, lost my dog and my truck and my job and my wife and my kids. I've lost everything. And we, that's not how he wants us to live life, right? right? He wants us to live life that we're full of joy because we have the king of the universe living inside of us. And we are born again and all things have been made new. And we're not that old person anymore. And we, we're on our way to heaven. And we have a bright future. And we have all these things going for us. And so we should live our life full of joy. And I want you to notice, he says, that, that my joy may be in you. Now notice last week we talked about that he said, my peace I give to you. The peace that he had is what he wanted to give us. And so he wants to live our life in the same peace that he had. But now he's saying, my joy I give to you. And I don't believe there's ever been a more joyful person on earth than Jesus. 
Jesus was able to walk through so many difficult things, but he always had the joy of the Lord on him. And he says, this is what I want for you. And how do you do that? How do you have that kind of joy? Well, he's telling us, one, you obey my commandments. You, you do the things I ask you to do. And so we're able to experience joy the fullest when we also love to the fullest, he's telling us. And so when we love other people, when we do the love one another thing, our joy rises. And he tells us here to love and this sort of goes along with what we've been teaching on Wednesday nights. But it doesn't tell us feel love towards one another. Because there's going to be days you're not going to love your neighbor if you have to feel it. Right? Tomorrow morning when you get up and go to work and you've already lost an hour of sleep, you're probably not going to feel love for all your coworkers. But Jesus says love one another. And when you do that, your joy is going to be full and so, not just when we feel love, but when we love, we act in love, when we act in love towards other. And so, this love, really, the love he's talking about here, has to be an unselfish, unself-centered love. Amen. And when we truly love other people unselfishly, even psychiatrists now tell us that that's when you're going to have the most joy. Modern psychology tells us when we serve others, we have more joy. But here's, here's, the, here's the catch 22 about this. It still has to be unselfish love. Here's what I mean by that. So if you say, I'm going to act good to people so that I feel good. See where I'm going? I'm going to serve people so that I can have joy then who's it still about? It's still about me. And Jesus says just love one another and it's got to be about them. And take your eyes off yourself. And that we should really love each other. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? And that's, isn't that what he's telling us to do here? He says love one another like I've loved you. And, and so what, when we think about how Jesus loved us, it was all about us. Going to the cross didn't benefit him. Leaving heaven to come to earth and, and live here for 33 years in a human body and have to deal with hunger and pain and, and fatigue and, and all the things that our bodies have to deal with it was nothing for him. It was all about us. Right. And so that's what Jesus is asking us to do is to love people like he loves unselfishly. And he says, here's my commandment. Love one another. In John chapter 13, it, we didn't go over this uh, specifically when we covered this chapter, but he says this in verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. There's the rule change. I'm adding a rule. I'm adding something to the list. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So notice, the original commandments we know were given to Moses. And so he had, the, he had the top ten, and then he had the book of Leviticus, and all those rules, and all those things. And Jesus comes around uh, thousands of years later and says, oh, by the way, I'm adding one. No one else can add to that. 
If anybody else had said, I'm adding to the, the top ten, or I'm adding to the, to the Ten Commandments, it would have been like, man, you are out of here. But Jesus said, I'm adding a new commandment. And this is basically it. Love one another like I've loved you. And so it's not a suggestion. And sometimes we think about things like this. As, well, that's a good idea. That's a suggestion. But Jesus is saying, I'm putting this in the same category as thou shalt not kill. <laughs> thou shalt not kill is not just a suggestion. Well, you know, I feel like killing today. I'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> Jesus said it's a commandment to love one another like I've loved you. Love one another like I love you. And notice how he says that this is by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus says this is how people are going to know if you're really a Christian. Not by your morality, although that's important. Not by your church attendance, that's important. Bible tells us to not forsake the gathering of, one, of each other, in the, even more so in the last days. He tells us that we're to be holy like God's holy, and the Bible tells us those things. It's not by how we dress or, or how we speak or how we wear our hair or any of those things. He says, this is how the world's going to know that you're really my disciple. If they see you loving each other, if they see you being a loving person, and, and, you know, God forgive us when the world knows us as Christians and sees, sees us being unloving towards others. Forgive us, Lord. Because I'm going to just tell you that the world is always looking in going, can I catch him in something? Yeah, I saw Pastor Mark being rude to that waitress. And he says he's a Christian. You don't think they're watching? And Jesus says, this is how he knows. So if they can see us in the world loving each other, loving our world, loving each other, he says, this is how they're going to know this thing's real. This is how they're going to know. And then he says this in verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love. The greatest love, the greatest love is when we sacrificially, substitutionally sacrifice ourselves for someone else. Now, what, let's look what Jesus did, okay? We can sometimes sacrifice things for other people. So sometimes, sometimes it's easier to throw money at a situation. I'm going to sacrifice some money for that, for that person. Or I'm going to give up an item for some, somebody. I'm, I'm sacrificing something. But what did Jesus do? Jesus sacrificed himself. And the greatest love is when we sacrifice ourselves for someone. So how do we do that? Well, when I choose to prefer someone else's wishes or desires or needs above mine. When me being right is not as important as making sure someone else is being loved. When I may have to do without so that someone else can have their needs. That's 
substitutional sacrifice. That's, that's laying down myself. And, and Jesus, thankfully, doesn't really ask us all to die for somebody else. But you know there are believers around the world who are dying, who are being persecuted to death for other people. They're putting their life on the line so that people can know about Jesus. And, and so the greatest love that we can ever have is when we give up ourselves, when we put others first, when we love when it's hard, when we love when we don't feel like it, and when we love and choose to take the hard things on ourselves rather than letting someone else go through a difficulty. That's the sacrificial love that, that Jesus had. And remember, that's what he's asking us to do. This is a new commandment. Love one another like I've loved you. And we know that he laid down his very life for us. And then he says again that this will be a sign that the world will know that we're truly disciples. You know, and I believe that when we start, when the church starts loving people to the point where lives are being transformed, the world's going to notice that. And some of that's going to be through serving and giving and meeting, you know, physical needs, clothing, food, things. But I also believe that when we get to the point where we're praying for someone's healing out of sacrificial love, and we're praying for someone's deliverance out of a Jesus-like love, and we're ministering to a family out of love, and it's not duty, or it's not the religious thing to do, or it's not just the thing that we're supposed to do. But we love someone so much that when we see them hurting, we're praying from that point of love. We'll begin to see people's lives transformed. And when the world begins to see that kind of love, that kind of love displayed, they're going to know, man, there's something real in that place, right? There's something real in that person. So when they talk about Jesus, it's not just that they're part of a club or they're part of some kind of group. There's something real in them. And so when we are sharing the gospel out of love, when we're caring for the poor and the needy and the hungry out of love and not just out of obligation, that's when transformation begins to happen. And that's what God's calling us to do, right? To love people like that. So... I think it's interesting. I heard this a couple of weeks ago, um, this about John, the, John who wrote this book, and he, the one who wrote this. And, you know, John's the only gospel that records this, that Jesus said, a new commandment, love one another, that in the last five years of his life, he only said three words over and over. Anybody talk to him? Three words. Love one another. Love one another. It's said by historians that in the last year of his life that he was seen going into a synagogue and everybody got excited and said, there's John. There's John. It's the last living disciple. He's the last one. It, maybe he can tell us about Jesus. He, he lived with Jesus. He, he knew Jesus. So he said, John, would you please get up and share with us about Jesus? And they said he walked up to the front of the synagogue and said, love one another. And walked out. I think it made a big impression on John that Jesus said, this is, my, this is a new commandment. Love one another. 
And man, shouldn't that just resonate in us? That everything that we do should be about loving others. So how do we love like that? How do we, how do we love like that? Because in our flesh, we know it's hard to love everyone. Man, okay. You all love everybody. I'm preaching the wrong group. All right. So maybe 11 o'clock has some people have hard time loving people. There's easy, I mean, if we're real, I'm going to be real. There's some people it's real easy for me to love, and there's some people it's hard for me to love, right? I mean, because we're different, or they have different views than I do, or different beliefs than I do, or, you know, they like Duke, or something like that, and they're, they're hard to love. I mean, they're hard to love, but so how do we, how do we love one another like this? Well, one is we got to have a full understanding of how Jesus loves us. And so when Jesus says, this is my new commandment, love one another like I have loved you, we have to know how he loves us. Right. And we've got to know that he loves us so intensely Amen. and so much more than we can probably ever understand. And when he says there is no greater love than this, he's saying I've had the I have the greatest love for you than you can than you can ever experience and you can experience you've ever experienced. My love for you is greater because in this moment while you were yet sinners, he died for us. Amen. While looking into the future, he saw me. And he saw all my sins and all my mistakes and all my rebellion and all my frailties. All the evil that's in me. And said, you know what? I'm still going to die for that guy. And so for us to love others like Jesus is asking us to, we need to understand that he loved us. He loves us. When we're wrong, he loves us when we're making mistakes. Now, it, I'm not saying that he overlooks sin. Don't hear me say that because he still requires us to, to live a holy lifestyle and to every day try to live up to his standard. But I'm saying that he never stops loving us. He never stops loving us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's what Romans tells us, right? And, and so, if we understand that on my worst day, on my wor in the worst moment of my worst day, Jesus still was willing to die on the cross for me and, so that I could be forgiven, and he chooses to forgive me when I repent, shouldn't that be the way we love each other? But again, we can't do that until we are, remind ourselves that Jesus loved us through our worst part. Because when we're always looking at someone from a, a vantage of superiority, we're, we're not going to be able to, to love like this. But when we understand that I'm only here by the grace of God because he loved me in my worst moments, and, and all that's yucky about me, he loves me then maybe I can begin to love other people when they disagree with me or when they have different views or different beliefs or they act in ways that bother me or they're hard to get along or they're mean to me or they're rude to me or all those things that Jesus loved right through that. 
You know, Jesus died on, while he's on the cross. He died for the Ro Roman soldiers killing him just like he was dying for his disciples. And so that's how Jesus is asking us to love. But we have to know that he loves us. So Jesus laid down his life. And it says that, I love this, it says that he laid down his life. It was not taken from him. He chose to lay it down. And so as we are being commanded to love one another, we need to make the choice that I'm going to lay down my life for my brothers and my sisters. I'm going to lay down my life for those around me. I'm going to lay down my life for my neighbors. So he laid down his life. And he calls us his friends. He said he chose to lay down his life for his friends. And the Bible tells us that he did not choose us or we did not choose him. He chose us. Isn't that a, isn't that a blessing? He chose you. Jesus chose you. You didn't sign up for his team before he chose you. He chose you from the foundation of the world. Jesus looked into all of time and said, I choose you. I want you on my team. I want you in my family. I want you. And so many times the enemy will try to tell us that we're not worthy. Nobody loves us. Nobody wants us. And Jesus makes it very clear, I've chosen you. Don't let, believe the lie that nobody wants you. I want you. Don't believe the lie that you're not good enough. No, I choose you. I want you in my family. I want you to be part of my group. I want you to be in my family. I want you to be on my team. Jesus chose you knowing you. Jesus chose you knowing you. Knowing your history. Knowing your present. And knowing your future. Jesus chose you. And Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you. I want you to hear that this morning. He loves you. He loves you. He knows all about you. And he loves you. He knows, he knows you intensely. And he loves you. And he wants you to know that this morning. Would you stand with us this morning? Stand with me.